It's always a pleasure to share your company. Welcome back to the Gallery of Curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host, Osgood. I'm afraid I must apologize for the delay in our broadcast this year. We had to close for a little while. You know how things get during the Yule season. A little too much holiday cheer. A tad too liberal about who has access to my private library. And the next thing you know, the editors are drawing diagrams on the floor with genuine Irish cliff chalk. I must say that I was impressed that they did have enough sense to use their Euclid rather than attempt to measure it out with a compass, but they had been into the eggnog and, well, let's just say that we had some rather unwelcome guests here at the gallery for a little while, which have proven very difficult to get rid of. In the interest of public safety, I thought it prudent to seal the building off temporarily, hence our silence. So, let's start catching up with our new exhibits, shall we? Now, normally, around this time of year, things tend to become a tad less... grim here at the gallery, but... Today is not that day. Our exhibit this evening is not for the faint of heart, so if you don't go in for that sort of thing, I suggest you turn it off now and come back next time when we will have a little lighter fare. The exit is back the way you came in. Now, for those of you who remain, Miss Trisha Owen is a writer in a variety of genres, but she is most thrilled when diving into horror. Her work has appeared in Occult Detective Quarterly Number 2 and in White Noise and Ouija Boards. She is as prolific as she is lazy, with several dozen novels to her name and many twelve-hour naps beneath her belt. She makes her home in Las Vegas and at TrishaOwensBooks.com. It will be read for us by Mr. Alastair Stewart. Patron of the Arts by Trisha Owens When I saw the soldiers heading my way, I allowed my terrible inner voice one which had brought me nothing but heartache to urge me past the door to my left and into a shop that smelled of animal hide and musty paper. Welcome to Bastion Books, good sir, greeted the shopkeeper. How may I be of assistance? I had no need of books, but explaining my reason for ducking inside would have led to questions I had refused to answer truthfully for months. I'm looking for maps, I told him, North Africa and the surrounds. I have many, right this way. 
He motioned with his hand to enter an aisle, formed by tightly stacked and dusty volumes. After a moment's grim hesitation, I stepped forward. My cane immediately struck a toppled book. Oh, you're a young man for that. The shopkeeper explained as he looked at my handicap. A familiar pity overtook his expression. Back from the wars, are you? I'd prefer not to speak of it, he mumbled. As was often the case, guilt and a vivid imagination worked in my favor. The proprietor mumbled an apology before leading the way between the stacks, and I hobbled behind with as much dignity as the narrow confines would allow. He pointed out several shelves upon which sat rolls of tied parchment and several bound volumes. I thanked him for his assistance and told him I would prefer to peruse them on my own. Bowing obsequiously, he left me to it. I needed time for the soldiers to pass. As I stood there in that claustrophobic alley, boredom led me to glance at the contents of the shelves around me. The titles did little to alleviate my disinterest. Cartography meant nothing to me, and I had even less desire to read about countries inhabited by savages. However, one volume, slender, not really a book at all, caught my eye. I slid it from the shelf, noticing as I did so that unlike its neighbors, it was absent of accumulated dust. I turned it in my hands. It was, indeed, a journal, tied shut by a cord. Curious, I unwound the cord and opened the leather cover. It took several moments for the words written upon the first page to penetrate my brain, and when they did, my consciousness instantly shrank back from them. Act of Horror Upon Man A Treasury My first thought was that this was an accounting of the wars, and I was prepared to hastily replace the book from whence I'd found it, but something, that terrible voice, again, suggested that I look further, and so I did. Page after page, I turned, slowly at first, curiously, then with increasing agitation and speed, until my fingers were all but whipping the pages past in a futile effort to tear them out of the fabric of existence. Each was worse than the last, illustrated with horrors that had no business being recorded, a man's body tied over a barrel while his decapitated head lay grinning on the ground. A man spit-roasted over a roaring flame while a sword sliced thin slices of flesh from his charred thighs. The corpse of a man whose limbs had all been twisted in their sockets, so they were completely reversed. A man lying suspended from a hook by the long, wet ropes of his intestines. I felt my gorge rise, and I threw the journal to the floor. I stomped on it with my boot as if I could obliterate the horrors to which I had been subjected. I no longer cared about the soldiers outside. I needed air. I hobbled out of the shop with sweat on my brow and fear looking its way up my bowed spine. Never had I wished more for the ability to scrub my skull clean than after having seen that monstrous journal. The images haunted me for days and nights afterwards. My nightmares returned, but this time my role in them was more heinous. It was I committing the despicable acts that had been drawn by the creators of that journal. When I woke, sticky with fear sweat, I cursed every last one of them. For I was certain, after reluctant reflection, that the journal had been created by more than one hand. 
The illustrations had been done in ink, pencil, and an unidentifiable darker brown substance. The difference in artistic style had also been evident. I obsessed over who could have produced such a terrible thing until finally I could bear it no longer. Sleep and hunger abandoned me. I was certain my sanity would be next. It was imperative that I destroy that evidence of foul imagination. But when I returned to Bastion Books, the proprietor was at a loss. I don't stock journals, he told me, bewildered. And a book of war images, you say? Doesn't sound familiar. I know my inventory down to the page. Frustrated, certain he was lying or in collusion with the artists to protect the journal, I demanded to know who had visited the area of the shop where I had found it. No one's asked after maps, he began, and then his expression changed. There was one man, Mr. Draman. I thought I saw him looking around there. He didn't purchase anything that day, though. Well, he's not a thief. Where can I find him? Oh, down at Kettlewick Avenue, near the docks, owns a small apothecary for the poor. And so, I found myself in the dreaded area known as the Cross, where Kettlewick Avenue overlaid Cinder Street, and thieves and murderers assaulted any and all. A healthy man would have been wary. My cane clicked loudly on the cobbled streets, all but inviting violence upon my person. As I shuffled through the fog of evening, I had to ask myself where my doggedness came from. The journal was of no consequence to me, for all I knew, it was a twisted collection of fantasies, for the querily titillated. Why risk my safety to follow it to its present owner? <sighs> but the voice told me. Such a journal was not normal. Its placement and subsequent disappearance from the bookshop were not accidental. I analysed my thoughts, and I came to the conclusion the journal was not what it seemed. We were a country at war. Spies were ubiquitous. I began to believe the journal was a communique, passing information from owner to owner. Its very horribleness meant to deter the casual reader. The more I thought about it, the more convinced I grew. I had stumbled upon an instrument of grave importance to someone, somewhere. At the very least, such a thing could be sold for great value. I had been home seven months. Life outside of war had not improved, as I had hoped it would. Work prospects for a crippled man were not good, and I was in danger of being thrown out on the streets. I knew what desperation tasted like. I had gagged on it, spat it out on the battlefield. Its flavour soured my tongue now and reminded me that I was no longer an honourable man. I decided, as I stood in that ghostly fog, that if Draman would not surrender up the journal willingly, then I would have no choice but to take it from him. The dirty, sooty windows of his shop were somnambulant, lit from within by the weak light of a single candle. At that hour, I expected Draman to be asleep, so when I let myself in, using a skeleton key, I nearly gasped in fright at finding him not only awake, but sitting on a hard wooden stool facing me as if he had been waiting for my arrival. He was a wholly unremarkable man. Spare as if he found no enjoyment from food, pale as if he travelled outside only when the clouds were heavy. I noticed you earlier, he said to me calmly, as if he were used to such intrusions. It's quite a limp you have there. My mind raced. Stress came to my aid, flinging words to my lips. 
the owner of the bookshop, Bastian, told me to run an apothecary. He nodded, I see. So you came to me in hopes that I might have something to ease your suffering. I nodded and adopted an earnest, pained expression. I've tried everything. I, I apologize for the late hour, but it's impossible for me to sleep. His expression was sympathetic. I may have something for you. I had been about to throw it out because it's due to expire in a few hours. It's laudanum based. Should help. He slipped off the stool and retrieved a small vial from a cabinet cluttered with hundreds of similar vials. He held it out to me and I fumbled for a coin. He took the coin with thanks and pocketed it. I made the batch this morning. You must drink it immediately or it will expire and become useless. After a moment's hesitation, I downed the contents of the vial with little expectation. I'd tried many cure-alls since returning home, but my suffering was a mean, stubborn thing. The third physician I'd consulted had made the suggestion that the pain existed in my mind, not in my leg, and that perhaps I was punishing myself for something. He was a quack, of course, and I'd beaten him for his gall. However, this, whatever Draman had given me, had transformed me. The pain! It's gone! He smiled. Glad to hear that. I worked hard to develop that potion. You're a genius! He blushed modestly. Shame swept through me that I had considered, even for a moment, murdering this man and taking the journal from him. This man had given me a gift. I was cured. With the removal of my lingering pain went the removal of my guilty conscience. The injury had been a constant reminder of my shame, but with it gone, I was a free man. An innocent one. I thought instantly of sleep what relief I would now find there without the nightmarish screams of my compatriots. Those dozens of men who, like I, had been driven by the enemy to the ravaged abbey and there trapped by fire. I alone had seen a way out, but had told no one, for fear the other men would clog the exit in their terror and hamper my own escape. Men had burned around me, had taken their own lives with their last bullets and blades. I had crawled to freedom with their cries and moans ringing in my ears, and it was difficult for me to summon regret for my actions. Any man would have done the same in my place. Draman moved across the room and picked up something from a table. He turned to me and held it up. You came looking for this too, did you not? My joy faded, replaced with an animal wariness as I eyed the journal. He opened it and found through the pages a beautiful collection. I feel honoured to have been tasked with adding my entry. When he noticed my confusion, he smiled. You didn't see that it was incomplete? He showed me the dozen or so blank pages at the back of the journal. Whoever finds it is responsible for adding to it by composing a new piece of art. His smile widened until it was not so much a smile as it was a rictus on a taxidermied wolf. I found it. Therefore, it's my turn. And I thank you very much for offering to be my subject. The truth of his words filled me with an icy horror. I launched myself at him, determined to strangle him with my bare hands, but my legs collapsed beneath me, numb from the waist down. I floundered on the floor, beating at my legs as I had when the flames licked at me in that doomed abbey. I begged for feeling to return to them as I watched Draman collect various sharp instruments from around the room. His whistled tune coiled around my heart like a tentacle. I'm afraid your suffering will be quite intense and enduring, 
he said calmly as he looked down at me. But I promise you that your page will be the most spectacular yet. He held up a curved blade. Now, sit up and stop blubbering, dear boy. It's time to prove your bravery. I wouldn't give to get my hands on that book. And I don't necessarily go in for that expensive equipment, no. Tweezers and a blowtorch do me just fine. But, hmm, I have a few ideas for a new composition, let's just put it that way. Someday. But, not only is our narrator, Alastair Stewart, the host of Pseudopod and Escape Pod, he is also an award-nominated tabletop RPG writer for his work on Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space. His other RPG writing includes Star Trek, The Laundry Files, Primeval, Victoriana, all flesh must be eaten and chill, meaning he has a playbook for any variety of invasion you can name. Follow him on Twitter as at Alastair Stewart or at his blog, The Men of Words. Now before you go, may I direct your attention to our souvenir shop where we have a new issue of Curiosity is available for you. This is issue number five, the horror issue, so I do understand it may not be to everyone's tastes. As bizarre as that is to fathom, links to where you may obtain your copy can be found at our website, gallerycurious.com store. And as I do need to keep the editors busy so they don't continue to summon up more trouble, we are holding a special submission session during the month of June, which admittedly is running through the hourglass as we speak. But this time we are looking for stories set during the Second World War. Please read the guidelines before sending your manuscripts and do remember that this is a speculative fiction market. I have seen quite a few rejection letters go out already over that, so no Hogan's Heroes, not unless Goldilocks is running a black market scheme with the Morlocks who live in the tunnels under the bunk bed. Then we might consider it. Hmm, well, at any rate, I do believe that is all the time we have for this evening. I still have a few demons to pry out of the floorboard, so it's best for you to be on your way. Do come visit us next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license. All story copyrights remain with the authors. Our theme song is Ashes Ashes by Deus Ex Vapora Machina. If you like the show, leave us reviews or nominate us for awards. And if you 
like to mark circles into fifths, may I suggest the mascaroni construction? It's much, much safer. This episode was produced just barely in June of 2019. For full show notes, visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com.